Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Good morning po. Magandang umaga. Uh, buenos dias. And welcome to our joint Filipino and English service. So I'd like to also extend my New Year greetings to those who are here for the first time and those who are watching live via the different social media and also perhaps you are downstairs watching this live service as well. There were three men and they were friends. Let's call them Mr. A, Mr. B, and Mr. C. Mr. A and Mr. B, they were both blind. And because they were blind, they went into these separate blind dates. And after their blind dates, Mr. C, their friend, asked them, oh, how was your blind date? So he asked Mr. A first. And Mr. A said, it was kind of disappointing. It was bad. Why? Mr. C asked Mr. A. Because I was able to prove that indeed love is blind. Oh, it was, it was really sad. And so Mr. C asked Mr. B, how about you? How was your blind date? Mr. B said, oh, it was good. And it was fun. Oh, how come? How did you say that? Mr. B said, because it was love at first sight. So the question is, how about Mr. C? Is Mr. C blind as well? Well, yes. Why? Because when Mr. C was asked, uh, what was your reaction to the comments, to the statements of your two blind friends, Mr. A and B? Well, Mr. C said, I didn't see them coming. Anyway, I'm sorry, it was a, a high-level kind of joke, but uh, <laughs> for our year end and the New Year message, we will continue with our series, uh, and concluding and uh, discussing the last seven verses of the story about the previously blind man. And this is found in John chapter 9. But before we go to, into the details of John chapter 9, verses uh, 35 to 41, allow me to go through the whole chapter, uh, beginning in verse 1. So for those who have uh, been here and you were able to go through the series, um, particularly in John chapter 9, this would be a good review for, for you. And now for those who came here for the first time or you probably missed the previous messages in John chapter 9, this is also a good uh, background so that we will not only be able to understand John chapter 9 verses 35 to 41, but we will be able to see to see the context, the reason, and this particular portion of the scripture on how God revealed his plan, his plan to redeem his people, and how 
he revealed his plan to redeem his people through Jesus Christ by revealing this to the author uh, and the writer of this gospel, John. And so let's start with a prayer. Join me as I lead this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, once more, we humble ourselves before you. We acknowledge that apart from you, we are nothing. And so we ask that you open our ears, you open our eyes, that we may not only see the truth from your word, that we may be able to see you as you have revealed yourself through your word and through Christ and through this portion of the scripture that we're going to study now. We offer to you this time and may you be glorified in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go through the, the first verse in John chapter 9, verse 1. It says there, as he passed by, by the way, as I go through this, I'll just give some important uh, highlights. Uh, and uh, as we go through, we, I, I pray that we will be able to pick up uh, and uh, be reminded of our previous sermons in John chapter 9. So as he passed by, as Jesus passed by, because in John chapter 8, remember, in verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. So he declared, ego aimi, I am. And so verse 59 in John chapter 8, therefore, they picked up stones, the, the Pharisees, no, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple. And as Jesus ex exits the temple, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So, uh, congenital blindness, verse 2. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So we can uh, infer from this uh, question by the disciples that they have this concept that a person who is born with a congenital defect, such as blindness, for instance, may be due to a personal sin. Now, that's why he, they ask, uh, who sinned? Is this man? Why? Because they believe that a person is capable of sinning while still in his or her mother's womb. Or his parents. So they also believe that the sins of the parents may be passed on to the child, and so that he was born blind. So what was the answer of Jesus? Verse 3, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. So Jesus said, it is not a specific sin due to this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, meaning in the blind man. So let me highlight that because this is, the, this is a, an important context how or why, the reason why this man was born blind. And I, I hope that we see here the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. That the works of God. What is the work of God? The work of God is basically, foundationally, salvation. A salvation from his wrath, salvation from his judgment, so that this work of God might be displayed in him. Now, this salvation, this spiritual salvation, will start, will begin from the physical healing of this blind man. And this will be revealed through Jesus Christ. That's why in the next verse, verse 4, Jesus said to his disciples, we must work the works of him, pertaining to the Lord, pertaining to God the Father, who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So what is this work of Jesus that was given to him by God the Father? We will see this as the story would develop until the end of this verse. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So take note of this. No? Jesus is the light of the world. And one of the things that a light would do is not only to, of course, provide vision or to provide uh, 
or light, enlightenment, uh, so that one may see. But the light would now separate the darkness from that of which there is light. So take note of that. There is a division that will happen. There is a separation that this light will do. And so Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Next, please. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. It's interesting that uh, we don't do this today to uh, make a person, well, see again. But this is how Jesus performed this miracle of healing. By doing something, by doing a, some sort of a labor. So remember, as we would uh, go through later, this happened on a Sabbath, in a Sabbath day, where the, according to their Mishnah, according to the, the, the law, the civil law of uh, uh, the Jews, anyone who performs healing on this day uh, and do labor on this day is committing a sin, a grave sin against God and against their law. And so Jesus would do this, well, this interesting way of spitting on the ground. Now, spitting on the ground is not really a, a labor. No? It's not under their, their rule and their law. Spitting may be, may be okay on Sabbath day. But if one now makes something, do something out of the, out of the, the, the soil, and that becomes a crime that becomes labor and that is in violation of their rule on Sabbath. And so that is what Jesus did. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. So in a way, God did two violations during a Sabbath. One is healing, direct healing. And the second is the way he performed such healing. And not only that, the man that he healed, the, the congenitally blind man that he healed, also committed the same violation. Next, please. And said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went, so the, the blind man went and washed and came back seeing. So that was uh, his violation. Okay? Verse 8. Next, yeah. the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? So a lot of people, particularly the neighbors of this previously blind man, now healed, now uh, physically seeing. So remember, it was a congenital defect. So he had no vision at all. right? And so now he can see. So it's as if God... Well, not only, not in the sense of restored his vision because he did not have one from the first place, but he gave for the first time, uh, created uh, uh, something in his eyes so that he would be able to see. And so the neighbors, of course, they were astonished and they questioned, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? So he was begging outside the temple and uh, perhaps because he was there all his life, we can see that he may have heard you know, the teachings in that temple. And so we will also be able to observe that this man is, well, he knows the, the Old Testament. He knows the old scriptures. Verse, the next verse. Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. So some cannot believe. No, they cannot believe because it's impossible. And in fact, this is the first time that they have seen someone regain, or not regain, someone who is congenitally blind would now be able to see. No, but he is like him. No, he kept saying, I am the man. I am the one who was previously congenitally blind. Next, please. So they said to him, then take note of their question. How were your eyes open? So they were more after the process of the how and rather than the who. So the, the how, 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 how did this happen? How were your eyes open? Next. 
He answered, take note of the response of the previously blind man. The man, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. So it was one, a, a testimony of what happened because they were asking the how, but he answered the who. But in the process, he was able to incriminate himself of the violation during the Sabbath by saying such. Okay, verse 12. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. So he can infer that uh, after the healing, Jesus exited and he didn't know what happened to Jesus after which. Next, they brought to the Pharisees, oh, there's someone, someone violated the Sabbath law. So they brought this man to the Pharisees and uh, the men who had for, uh, for formerly, uh, my, my eyes are growing dim. They brought to the Pharisees the man, uh, the previously blind man who had formerly been blind. Next. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. So perhaps during the, the questioning of the, the, the neighbor, some of the Pharisees were there already. And so the Pharisees again asked him, or it could pertain that this is the same question that for the first time the Pharisees would ask from him. He had received his sight. How come? How? Again, the question of the how. How he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. So again, explaining how he was healed by Jesus. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, the man who healed you, this man called Jesus is not from God. Why? For he does not keep the Sabbath because he sinned. He committed a violation against the Sabbath. So it could be that this man is not from God. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? How can someone heal on a Sabbath be not from God? And there was a division among them. So if you have your Bibles and you are, you are following this, uh, this series in John, may I suggest that you highlight and perhaps encircle or underline the word division. And there was a division among them. Next. So they said again to the blind man, what do, they, what do you say about him? How about you? What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes and you have, as I add to this, you have, you have personally experienced the healing. And so the previously blind man said, he is a prophet. So a while ago, he just said, the man who is Jesus did this to me. And now being asked the second time around, he is a prophet. Yeah, so... Uh, perhaps this blind, previously blind man knew that a prophet can do signs and wonders, uh, can do miraculous things. Next, please. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So still they, they were not believing. No, it's impossible. And so let's call the parents. Maybe the parents would uh, affirm that uh, he was not really blind uh, congenitally. And ask them, is this your son who, say, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Now, here's the tension because uh, during this time, if one or a person professes that there is, uh, that there is uh, someone uh, who claims to be such a healer, for example, a prophet, uh, and uh, it was not uh, proven, then they have the power to cast them out. 
to excommunicate them. His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. So the parents affirmed that he is indeed born blind, verse 21. But now, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes, which is in a way truthful because they haven't seen how Jesus performed this. So ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Now, what was the reason why this, the, the previously blind man, my, man's parents said this? Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. Why? For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. He would be cast out, excommunicated for confessing that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 23, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So, siguro sa, sa Filipino, hugas kamay. Uh, just to uh, not to be not to, ex- to to be penalized of being excommunicated. Next, so for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, "Give glory to God." So it's one way of saying, uh, "Make an oath and do not lie." We know that this man is a sinner, pertaining to. Jesus, who just performed the miraculous healing. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And so again, he testified of that physical healing that Jesus did. But with regard to Jesus being a sinner, he said he did not know. Next, they said to him, what did he do to you? <laughs> how did he open your eyes? Again, the question of how. No? How, did the, how did he open your eyes? Because they're trying to establish the violation that Jesus actually did on a Sabbath day. Verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already in a sarcastic way, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So are you interested so that you will also be one of his followers or his students or his disciples? Verse 28, and they reviled him. They were angry. The word reviled has something to do with deep anger, saying, you are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. Ah, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Now, I don't know with you, according to the Pharisees, but we know where we came from. We know that God has spoken to Moses. So they were establishing the relationship, the connection between they're being disciples of Moses and Moses directly in communication with God. But as far as we know, with regard to this man, to Jesus who has healed you, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? Instead of celebrating with me that I was born blind, now I can see, you do not know where he comes from, And yet, he opened my eyes. Verse 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Well, he might be referring to to Psalms chapter uh, 34, verses 15 to 16. And just allow me to read that portion to you. Psalms 34, verse 15 to 16 says here, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. And uh, because this blind man may have heard or may have personally known 
this song of David, this psalm written, he, was, he may, may have been referring to this truth that God does not listen to sinners. God listens to those who are not sinners, based from Psalms 34, 15 to 16. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. In other words, this previously blind man is, was saying that if he is not from God, then he will not be able to perform such miracle. Next, please. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Meaning, in the Old Testament, there was never someone recorded that has been made to see from being born blind. In other words, this was the first time that this wonder happened. It's the first time. So never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. 33, if this man were not from God, he could be nothing. In other words, because he was able to do this, as it has never been happened before, it must be that he is from God. Verse 34, they answered him, you were born in this sin, in this, in utter sin, and would you teach us? And so the, the statements, uh, looking back, referring to the, to the Old Testament uh, and, and saying this, these things to the Pharisees, this previously blind man saying uh, these things about Christ, uh, the Pharisees cast him out. And that was their judgment to him. Which now brings us to our message in verse 35. Now Jesus, remember, gave sight to a man born blind. The purpose was to display the work of the father. The blind man's neighbors saw it and were amazed. But some reported the incident to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they tried to verify the integrity of the miracle by summoning the parents of the man who received sight. The Pharisees could not believe that Jesus was from God because the healing took place on a Sabbath. So their misinterpretation and their legalistic attitude blinded them. They would summon the man who received sight once again. So the Pharisees cast out the man who dared to speak against them. And the blind man, previously blind man, remained firm with his testimony on how Jesus gave him sight. So instead of, well, succumbing to the apparent bullying tactics of the Pharisees, he remained amazed at the miracle. His sarcastic remarks against the Pharisees would ignite an ire that would isolate him. They would cast him out. However, take note of this, Jesus would find him and reveal himself to the one who used to be blind. So moving to our first point, Jesus found the man. So Jesus found the man whom the Pharisees cast out. Jesus asked the man if he believed in the Son of Man, referencing to the prophecy of Daniel about the eternal ruler. It's interesting that Jesus would refer to an old prophecy by Daniel, knowing that this man knows the, 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 the Old Testament. And the blind man asked about the Son of Man, so he may believe. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, what did Jesus ask the man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, in some manuscripts, 
the term is son of God. Now, the son of God was used for godly men in the Old Testament. So if you are a godly person in the Old Testament, you may be called a son of God. But the title, the name, the son of man refers only to the one who would rule forever and ever. So the Pharisees knew this Previously blind man knew that the reference to the Son of Man is only given to one person. And that is the Messiah, the Savior, who would rule forever and ever. In Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 to 14, God gave a vision at night, uh, during the night time, in the night time to Daniel and one of the visions that Daniel had in verse 13 was recorded, I kept looking in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. But this was the title, son of man. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. The ancient of days pertains to God, the father. And to him was given dominion now dominion also means sovereignty a dominion is somehow it, it pertains to total control having full control dominion so it, it speaks of power it, it speaks of sovereign power and to him pertaining to the son of man was given dominion what else glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And this is referring to the Son of Man. So Jesus asked this previously blind man, knowing his heart, knowing him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Because this previously blind man would know that there is only one Son of Man. And that would be the Savior so what was the immediate response of the previously blind man? Verse 36, he answered, And who is he? Sir, that I may believe in him. So sir is a, well, it's a, it's a reference to someone who is respectable. And so, uh, by courtesy, knowing that uh, this man was talking of the Son of Man, he called Jesus Sir. And he knew, this previously blind man knew, that Jesus was only meaning to someone who is divine and of deity. Now, next point, Jesus would reveal himself. So when the man asked about the Son of Man so he could believe, Jesus would reveal that it was him. The man who could now see believed and the effect, the result of that belief externally or perhaps inwardly, even he worshipped Jesus. Why did the man worship Jesus after Jesus revealed himself that he is indeed the son of man? Well, he worshipped because the previously blind man, he understood, he saw that Jesus should be worshipped. 
verse 37. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the Son of Man. And I am speaking to you directly. So what did this previously blind man say and do? Lord, I believe. Now he calls Jesus his Lord. Lord, I believe. And as a conjunction to what he has just professed, he worshipped him. Now, what does this look like? The previously blind man confessing, saying, declaring that he believes Jesus is indeed the Son of Man, and he calls him Lord. What would be the picture of someone who has just said this and now worshiping Jesus? Well, one could say that he may have bowed down. He may have knelt before God. He may have, well, just humbled himself. But it's interesting that we were not given. John would not inform us the, the, the actual, uh, the external act of the worshiping of this blind, previously blind man. But what we can perhaps understand is that worship is not just an external act. One may worship the Lord, yes, through singing of praises and hymns before him. One may worship the Lord by serving. One may worship the Lord by declaring, expressing that he is worshiping the Lord. One may show worship to the Lord through other external acts, such as bowing down, uh, uh, kneeling down. But more than the external acts is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. So Jesus being God, he knew that this previously blind man was worshiping him in spirit and in truth. From the very words when he said, Lord, I believe. Now if you would ask, Doc, how can I worship God, there are many ways, but the most important way to worship the Lord is in spirit and in truth. Now, verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Now, brothers and sisters, the very reason why I started in verse 1 of chapter 9 is for us to be able to understand verse 39. Now, if you recall in our previous messages, in our previous study in the series of the book of John, particularly in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, popular Verse, if not the most popular New Testament verse, John 3.16. In this particular uh, moment, he was, well, speaking, talking to Nicodemus. And one of the questions of Nicodemus is, how can a man be born when he is old? But before that, he would ask, that when he came, no, when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus is basically saying, You cannot save yourself. You cannot earn your way to salvation. You cannot bring yourself to enter into the kingdom of God unless God would do so. And in verse 16, he would further say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now verse 17 for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. God did not send Jesus to judge the world. Why? Because the world is already condemned. The world is already judged. So what is the reason? What's the purpose why God would send Jesus to the world? Which has something to do with being the light of the world. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but, please listen to this, that the world might be saved through him. That the world might be saved. How? Through him. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. God was sent to this world to save. And that comes with the concept, with the idea of separating those who are saved and those who are not. Now we can better understand verse 39 because this is not in contradiction to what has been written by John in the verses that I've just read for you. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world. So what is this, this judgment that Jesus is pertaining to? It is not the, the actual, not the literal judgment because everyone is already condemned. Everyone is already judged. But this judgment has something to do with the next words that he would say. That those who do not see may see. It's a change. It's a transformation of someone who does not see from the start will be born congenitally blind. Not just physically, but spiritually born blind. So that those who do not see spiritually may see, and those who see may become blind. Now Jesus would further explain this particular paradox that who do not see will see, and those who see become blind in the next verses. Even though the man lived a life of darkness because he could not see, Physically, this previously blind man now both physically and spiritually 
he can now see. So Jesus, in a way, warned that he would judge all who thought they could see. And that pertains, brothers and sisters, to self-righteousness. Someone who believes, falsely believes that he actually sees. But in truth, he's blind. So Jesus would speak against self-righteousness. So some Pharisees asked Jesus if they were blind because they overheard Jesus speaking to the man who received sight. What did the Pharisees say after overhearing Jesus? Verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? So we can, from the tone of their question, we can perhaps say that they may also be sarcastic. They're sarcastic to Jesus. So do you say that we're also blind? Because, well, basically we are not. We can see. But take note, verse 41. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. Now, what does this mean? This means that according to how these Pharisees see themselves, according to their definition of blindness or what, what is not blindness, he was, they were saying that they have no guilt. Why? Because they can actually see. Now, being blind also has something to do with not being aware of sin. So in a sense, they were saying that they were, they're not blind. But this is what Jesus would say. But now, here's the real deal. This is what, what is really in your heart. This is really, this is what you're saying. No, but this is what is in your heart. And what is that? You are saying, we see, but no, your guilt remains. So though you are saying that you are not blind, you are declaring through self-righteousness that you don't need a savior. That by your own law, by, by your own good works, you will be able to work through your salvation. But Jesus was saying to them, in different wordings, the person who humbly admits the need for Christ, meaning he admits that he is truly blind, that he is spiritually blind, and he cannot, he cannot see unless by God's sovereign act, such blindness would be removed. It's an acknowledgement of, a, of the sovereign work of God, that it is only God who can make one spiritually see. The person who humbly admits the need for Christ because of sins committed are the ones who truly understand. And the ability to understand such things is graciously given by God. So anyone who downplays his sinfulness is truly blind. So what do we do with this in the past year and in the coming year? Well, we are given three applications. And I will just summarize them as one. Uh, share God's plan. What is God's plan? To redeem his people. Reveal his sovereignty. Reveal the sovereign power of God. And that is 
through Christ who is sovereign above all for eternity. Meaning to say, we are to reveal Jesus Christ as the Son of Man who has sovereign power, sovereign dominion, and His rule will be for eternity. And third, that would be to explain in the process as we share God's plan, this is God's plan to redeem His people, and how is this done through Jesus Christ, by faith in Him, through Christ alone, we also explain the dangers of self-righteousness. Why? People may falsely believe, people may falsely think ah, that I'm a good person and I'm not harming other people and I'm not doing bad things against other people. In fact, I am a good person. I go to church, I pray, I help the poor. Yet such is not the way to eternal life. So explain the dangers of self-righteousness as Jesus explained that those who think they can see are the ones who are blind. What do we do? We acknowledge that we are sinners, that we are spiritually blind. It is only through the work of God, through Christ, that we can see. We now therefore preach against self-righteousness and our need for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. As a response to the message, as I also share with you a piece of poetry written by our beloved senior pastor entitled, Worship the Son of Man. After this, we'll be praying together as a church, as a congregation. Then we will end with a response song. The Pharisees had cast him out. It seemed it ended with a shout. But the man born blind was unmoved. From their presence, he was removed. Jesus would then approach the man, the one who was part of God's plan, to reveal Christ the son of man, he gave him sight, only he can. He believed and he worshipped him. Life would no longer be so dim. The son of man is eternal, unlike Moses, who was a mere man. The son of man rules forever. Jesus, there is no one better the Son of Man is sovereign. Indeed, forever He will reign. According to Daniel 7, Son of Man was in God's presence. All the kingdoms are His domain, and His power will never wane. On human souls, He rules as well. Christ the Judge, that is what we tell. Therefore, believe and worship him, Jesus, remove blindness and sin.